What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Podcast. Brother Hendrama back in the film. We're coming at you on Tuesday, the 29th. And we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. We're going to go over the Cherry Blossom jerseys that were released this morning. We're going to talk about Corey Kispert, Denny Avdia, Rui. We're going to talk about the point guard position. We're going to do a Porzingis update, and then to end, we're going to do some March Madness stuff. But first, Dama, we got to talk about the the Cherry Blossom jerseys that were announced. We saw the the video with Kuzma, and then we saw the the photo with Rui, Beal, and Kuzma in it. And they look pretty fresh, you know, looking at the design here. Um, it was cool that they wanted to add some blue in it. I think all the, the mocks we had seen that were, like, pink and white – and then some black in there. Uh, and they were all cool designs. Uh, but I, I really think that the Wizards and their design team or whoever worked on these did uh, did a hell of a good job with these. I know once um, once they come out, I'm probably going to get one. I don't know which player I'm going to get, but I'm probably going to get one. Yeah, like I, I, I think they're pretty dope, man. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get one as well. Um, I think, you know, they, they couldn't do too much. They couldn't get too busy with the jersey design, I feel like, because of the colors. Like, it's a cherry blossom uh, jersey, so it's going to have pink in it. And I think with a color so loud, you don't want to do too much with the design to kind of, you know, you know, just kind of just do too much. Um, I think they did it in a kind of tasteful way. Um, simple, but but still paying homage to to the to the cherry blossom uh uh i guess tradition tradition here in dc um and i like them i think i think they'll do well yeah i like the the shorts too how it like fades from that pink and then you slowly get into that blue to kind of go with the blue that's on the on the collar and on the the ends of the sleeves and the jersey so i think that that's a a pretty cool pattern and i'd say they did a, a hell of a good job and of course we know that uh, they said in the description here that we're going to be getting a court along with that, which is going to be so exciting to see next season. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're probably not going to debut it. Like it'll probably be one of those things that they don't debut until like, um, because what the season starts in October. So they probably won't debut it until like November or December or something like that. You would imagine kind of, kind of how they do with the, um, with the NBA city jerseys every year. Cause when did they start doing that this year? I forget, but it wasn't right away. I don't think. Uh, I thought it was last year. The year before. I can't remember exactly. But I'm talking about like it, it, in the season, once the season starts, like when they actually start wearing them because they don't wear them like right at the way at the beginning of the season. I think they wait a bit. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not. I'm not sure exactly when, but uh, yeah, you're right. It doesn't. They don't bring them out like to start the year. Like usually, it's a couple right. months into the season, and then they right, have, right. you know, yeah. they they debut them. What did you think about the Nationals ones? Did you take a look at them? Yeah, I thought those was fire too. I like how they did the gray to kind of give us some darker tone yeah. contrast. Yeah. I thought that was dope too. Like I like I like both approaches. You know, the the Wizards going with the pink bright color. Um, but kind of in a simple design, the Nationals going more of a, a complex design, but it was more understated colors with the with the kind of neutral gray there. So I, I like both approaches. 
I'm definitely going to get a Juan Soto one. I have a red jersey. I have a World Series edition, and now I need to go ahead and get the the Cherry Blossom one. So uh, definitely excited to add a couple of jerseys to the collection. I'm not that big of a jersey getter, to be honest. Never like I'll get one every once in a while, but like the only jerseys I have right now are like, um, I mean, I have Taquan Barkley and Daniel Jones. Ah ha ha! Yeah, laugh it up. Um, and then I have Juan Soto and I have Tom Wilson. And I think those are all the jerseys that I have. So it's definitely not a lot, but, um, like I've said before, I'm not really a big basketball Jersey fan. Uh, I don't think that they typically look that good on me, but I definitely love baseball jerseys. And I suppose, you know, you, you put a, a nice hoodie under, these Wizards jerseys, I'm sure they'll look absolutely fire. So I'm probably going to go ahead and get one. But moving on to some Wizards-related stuff, I figured we would start this conversation with the with the younger guys because uh, they've all, relatively speaking, been playing a lot better. And that's what you wanted to see down the stretch of a season where Beal's out, now Kuzma's out. So essentially it's just Porzingis and friends, but there are a couple of young players uh, in particular. Rui's been pretty steady uh, with what he's been doing since he's been back, but two players that have really stuck out out of that group are are Kispert and Denny Avdia. And I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on these players as they somewhat evolve their games down the, the stretch of the season here. I mean, Corey Kispert, he can finish at the rim. He's great off the ball. He's awesome in the mid-range area. And now his three-point shot is coming together where he had six threes the other night against the Warriors. And not only that, but he's broken the the Wizards rookie record for three-pointers made. And it looks like he's, I mean, he's going to be well over 100 here to, to close the season. So I wanted to get your thoughts on Corey Kispert first, and then we'll kind of transition into Denny Abdi and Rui Hachimura. Yeah, so, you know, I've I've kind of for a while just talked about, like, when it comes to drafting players now, you know, if you're not going to get a superstar, like, you don't feel like that player has, you know, superstar talent. And usually those are the blue chip guys that go, you know, top five, right? Um, you, you better get you a guy that can do, that has an elite trait at an important value skill in today's NBA. And the most important skill in today's NBA to me is shooting. Um, That just gives you so much, uh, what's the word, variance of how you can fit into modern-day offenses onto rosters. And I just felt like at 15 with Kispert, he was kind of like the the Cam Johnson pick for the Suns. Like, you know, you didn't see, like, all-star upside but you knew immediately, like, this kid comes from a, a blue blood program that produces solid pros. He knows how to play off the ball. He can shoot it. He's probably, he probably was the best shooter in the draft. And you know you're going immediately to be, immediately be able to plug and play him uh, at, at, at the wing spot. Um, the only question was how, how far would his defense come along? But you had no questions about his ability to shoot the ball and fit on a roster. And so everything he's kind of done recently isn't really shocking to me. Like, I think for March, he's averaging 12 a game. 
and shooting 42% from three on six attempts a game. If he did that for a season and then he went into free agency, it would be a team trying to pay that man 80 to $100 million. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So now you have that asset under cost control, a cost control rookie salary for four years. Right? Like, that's, that's, a, good, that's a good thing. Um, and now I just think they just need to build on his skill set. I, I love that Kispert, and he kind of proved this early on, he can finish at the rim with both hands, left, right, uh, up and under, through traffic. Like, I mean, he's not Kyrie with the jelly, you know, but but he's a really, really good finisher around the rim. Like, I think his two-point field goal percentage is is well above average. Um it was just his three ball that he had to kind of uh, get together and kind of adjust, I think, to the speed of the game, the speed of closeouts, getting a little bit more arc on his shot, getting that release a little bit quicker. And now he's he's 42% from three. So uh, he's only going to get better. And I just think, you know, the initial comps for him were, were you know, Joe Harris, you know, the kind of the, 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 the obvious uh, white guy comps. Um but I think he has an opportunity to be more than that because of his ability to play off of it and his in-between game and finishing at the rim. Because uh, he's a little more athletic than I think people give him credit for, too. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed with, with Corey Kisper, but I'm not shocked at all. The one thing that you brought up there is something that I saw in the beginning of the season that he was working on uh, a couple months into the season is – his release and and we look at it now like it has gotten so much quicker and I mean we remember at the beginning of the season he was bad at reading closeouts he would have to double dribble and and travel and and just get blocked all the time and now I mean it's it's caught and there are people closing out on him now where I'm like no 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 it's going to get blocked but his release now is so quick and his form is different because it's not like he used to kind of jump and his arm movement would be kind of slow but now it's uh it's a catch and it's a snap from that right arm. And, and that's what's leading it to a quicker shot. And now that he's kind of gotten that muscle memory down as the season has gone on. I mean, he looks like a, a pure sharpshooter with an excellent release. And like I was saying, and uh, we've both mentioned several times, I mean, his stuff in the mid-range area is great. He's a solid finisher around the rim. Uh, he can fit in any lineup that you want to throw out there. And that's why I think he's so diverse, versatile, and just crucial to, to this team going forward. And that of the, the three young guys, I think he is the guy that if I had to only keep one of them, I think I would keep him just because of the things that you can do with him on the on the offensive end of the floor. Now, obviously, his defense is a, a little less to – it leaves a lot to be desired. But uh, I think that as long as he can buy into team concepts – and be a, a plus team defender going forward. I think you can live with that considering what you're getting on the other end, but someone who is a little bit better on the defensive end of the floor, we can now transition into Danny Avdi a little bit. And now I know you just told me that you didn't watch uh, some of these games lately, but I, I can tell you from watching him that he does look a lot more confident. Um, he's kind of embracing that, that secondary playmaker role that Wizards fans have been talking about.
about for a Yeah, so I'm looking like the last three games, he's been at 15 points a game, seven rebounds, three assists, 44% from three on six attempts, 83% from the line. Um, yeah, if he, could, if he could do that for the season, that's, that's prime Nick Batum, right? Like, that's, that's exactly what you want. A guy that can score about 12 to 15 for you, can guard up, can hit, you know, 38 to 40-some to percent from three and makes his free throws. Like, mm-hmm. that's what you want. That's what I think he has the, the potential to become. It's just a matter of how long is it going to take for him to do it consistently, not for a game or two or three, but for a month, two months, three months, you know, a whole season, right? Um, and, and do the Wizards have the time to wait on that development? Um, that, to me, is the, is the big question. It's going to be a big offseason for him to kind of build off of that, to, to address the weaknesses, because he hasn't really had a real offseason. Um, you know, his rookie year, he was coming from um, uh, Israel, and then uh, and then his second year, he, he got hurt. So he didn't really have time to work on his game, the skill development. So I would like to see that skill development. And if he can find a way to kind of diversify his attack, playing more of an inside out, kind of kind of how I, I talk about Kuzma, like you're 6'10", 6'9", like play inside out because that's going to give you the confidence to shoot the three ball um, instead of being so uh, limited in how you uh, attack a defense, just kind of standing in a corner shooting threes that aren't really in rhythm when you're not that kind of player. You're not Corey Kispert, you know, so you need to be cognizant of that and kind of attack in a way that that maximizes your strength. You're 6'9", you got a decent handle when you get it to that right hand and you have some length, like try to use that. Um, Get that pick and roll game going, get you in rhythm, maybe get to the free throw line, get a couple free throws down. Now you have that rhythm and confidence to step out to the three ball and shoot it with confidence. Um, Because I think for him... He starts out the game shooting the three, and it's a, you know he clanks it or he airballs it. It's kind of a domino effect for him, <clears throat> and he's got to he's got to approach the game a little differently. And I think he'll benefit from it. So, out of the three young guys, I think the the player that leaves the most question marks with how he fits with the team going forward is, is Rui, and it's unfortunate because I think out of I think he has well. I think he, he has the ability to, to score the ball at a high level right now more than the other two guys. But, of course, there's more than just scoring to this game. And as we've talked about for a while, <clears throat> and now especially with the additions of Porzingis and Kuzma, we don't perhaps maybe need the, the offensive game that Rui brings to the table like we, we thought we would have needed um, you know, uh, a year or two ago, because obviously last year we were talking really needed to be the second option in the offense after Beal because Westbrook was just so bad and we had no one else after that. But now that's not really the case. We have a lot of guys who can score now. And of course, I, th- I think the thing that's saving Rui right now is his three-point shooting, which is still really good. But I wonder, you know, is this a guy where 
if a young team is trying to build and they'll say, okay, well, yeah, we'll, we'll give you – that has a lot of picks. Like if OKC was like, yeah, we'll give you one of our first-round picks. And um, I, I don't know – I don't think they have any veterans on the roster or anything, so maybe not – they're not a trade partner. But if some other team was like, yeah, we'll give you a first-round pick and like a veteran wing shooter that you can use for your bench who's like six eight six nine, you know, do you trade Rui for that? And, and I think you have to consider it. Uh, again – He's not going to be that expensive next year. I think next year is the the last year of his rookie contract. I think if they're going to come up with an extension for him, they have to get that done. Um, I think the deadline is in October or something like that. But I wanted to see where you kind of stand with Rui and his fit going forward because I think out of the three, I think Denny fills a niche ideally – because of his defense, and now he's turning into more of a playmaker. He's showing confidence in his scoring. We've already touched on Corey Kispert a lot, and I think he, right now he still just kind of seems like the the odd man out, if that's what you want to call it. Sorry about that. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like, and I kind of alluded to it uh, previously, Like I feel like once Kuzma came here, um, and he kind of ascended into the role that he's in as as a core piece at that power force by having the ball more, playmaking, scoring. I think that limited what Rui can really bring to the table because, in a sense, Rui now is in the, a similar position to what Kuzma was in in L.A. his third year <laughs> when LeBron James and Anthony Davis showed up. All of a sudden, a guy who his first two years – who got to be, you know, second or third option, have the ball, get plays ran for him, um, and, and score the ball using his, you know, his skill set, all of a sudden now he had to be a bench complimentary player. So now you don't have the ball in your hands to make plays or to go to your scorer moves. You get the ball on a swing and you got to catch and shoot, you know, or you may not get, you know, 14, 15 shots. You're going to get, seven to nine shots and his game isn't one where he's like he has that type of role player game where he's going to impact the game you know getting you double digit rebounds blocking shots stealing the ball like his impact is going to come from his ability to score the ball and if he's not getting the ball to score it then how does he how does he fit on your roster and I think I think that's the question they're going to have to find an answer to um, and move because I feel like Kuzma, Denny, and Rui are all all three are power forwards. They're just of different flavors. Um, But you don't need all three of them on your roster. I think Rui, in a sense, is the odd man out because what he brings, scoring, you don't necessarily need anymore because of Kuzma, KP being here, and then obviously Beal. Yep, I agree. So that's something that we're we're definitely going to touch a lot more on as we get into the offseason and talk about things we can do to uh, improve the team and stuff like that, especially when we get towards the the draft. If there's a team that's looking for more of an instant upgrade, you know, maybe they'll say, okay, well, we'll give you this pick and, and, and this guy if you give us Rui. You know, I know that the Miami Heat were a team that were – 
rumored to be interested. I don't know exactly the draft picks that they have, but uh, just an example, of course. Moving on to the point guard position. So Wes Unso Jr. finally made a change. Thomas Sadoransky, as we predicted, is now the, the starting point guard. And it looks a lot better. But, but I think this is how it goes for a little bit, so I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic about it. And, of course, we're not going to get the, the decent sample size of this that, that we would like. And, of course, Beal is, is out. Uh, we don't know if Kuzma is going to be back before the season ends or not. They say they're not shutting him down, but um, I have a feeling we're only going to see him for another game or two at the most. Um, but the early returns on Sadoransky starting thing are good. Uh, he's obviously more pass-friendly than Neto is. And, and for the record, I don't even think that it's – Neto being selfish or anything like that. I just think that in his mind, like he gets into the paint and he's going at the rim, like the shot needs to go up. You know, you can draw a foul. And of course, I mean, I think relatively speaking, he's a, uh, he's a, he's a decent finisher, but Sadoransky, I think makes it more of a priority to, to get guys involved. And the offense right now is essentially dump it to KP in the high post. And when he's out of the game, I mean, it's like KCP ISOs and, and stuff like that, uh, mixing some ball movement with swings to the corner every now and then. But, um, you know, I mean, again, the early returns on Sadoransky as a starting point guard have been good. And I know that we talked about earlier in the year, um, I think after the trade deadline or before the deadline, at least after he was signed, that, you know, maybe this is a guy where, you know, if you feel good enough about him and what we see in the, in the regular season for the rest of the way, Maybe he's a guy you pay like five mil to for a year and you say, okay, you know, uh, we don't really want to trade some of our young guys and more assets on our team for a starting point guard. We're not going to go that route anymore. But perhaps Sadoransky at 6'7", pass first, good system guy. You know, perhaps he's the guy that you have as your starting point guard next year. And so I wanted to see how you thought on – how he's looked so far as the starting point guard of this team. And um, d- does this change maybe how you attack the offseason in regard to the position? Yeah, I still think they need to get a, a starter. Um, I, don't, I don't see Sato as a starter. I like him as a, as a backup, like not a backup two guard like they were doing earlier, but like as, as the backup point guard. Um, I think they can get a starter in that same ilk that's a, you know, bigger body or at least um, plus athlete who can do some of the same things just a little bit better. You know, shooting the ball, uh, you know, getting that hockey assist, uh, not somebody that has to be ball dominant. Um, Three and D, like a three and D point guard. Like if you could get I I, I always kind of go back to Lonzo Ball because I just feel like he's like the perfect blend point guard. Um, if you can get a, a point guard of that that elk, um, I think Sato fits that, but more so in a backup role. But they need to get like a starter version of Sato, um, and I think they can go with that and be and be perfectly perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, I, I still. But I mean, it, what he's doing is kind of what we thought he would do. Like I, I don't think Tommy watched his team struggle to guard at the point of attack with these miniature guards and went and got Sato just on a whim. Like, I think he saw a need that Sato could address and he went and got him. 
And I think he probably let Sato know there's an opportunity for you to play here. Because um, why else would Sato force a buyout with the Spurs to come here? Uh, you know, and it's just like, I guess for me, the bigger question is like, what the hell took West so long? Like, why are they not on the same page? Because um, it was clear as day that, that Sato, I mean, I'm sorry, Neto and Ish were uh, just liabilities from a, from a stature standpoint defensively. Um, and then Ish was clearly the true point guard, but more so in a backup sense. And then Neto was more of a combo scorer guard. Um, I mean, he's really like a six foot two guard. But yet you kept trotting him out there just to get exposed. And it just didn't make sense when you had Sato added to the roster. So um, I'm glad he finally got the, the message. But it just seems like it might be a little too little too late. Yeah, I mean, who knows? Maybe if they made this move a little bit earlier, maybe they're still fighting for one of the play-in spots right now. But when you consistently uh, get off to bad starts and, and first quarters and in third quarters, and then to end the game when you put him back in, I mean, eventually uh, something's got to give. And again, you would have liked to see him be a little bit more proactive, but I think part of this too is we know that Neto um, is a, is a, he tries to be feisty on the defensive end of the floor and he surely shows effort. I don't think it's for a lack of effort. And I know that we talked about them trying to really install that defensive first mentality. And I'm wondering if that's part of what it is. Like, yeah, he may not be good offensively, but, you know, Wes could be like, I've been trying to tell you guys all season, if you don't play defense, you know, you're not going to play. So maybe that's part of the reason he kept him in for so long, but it definitely got to a breaking point where he was sort of forced to make a move. But I definitely agree that it was a little bit too late. And hopefully this is a, a good learning experience for him. And this is a good time to have those experiences. I mean, we knew once Vio went down that they weren't going to do anything significant, but you still would have liked to see him fight for one of the, the play in spots, see what these guys look like in a playoff atmosphere, especially Porzingis and Kuzma now. Um, but th- this is a really good time for West to, to, to learn from his mistakes and hopefully he comes back next year and, um, you know, knows better and will be a little bit more proactive with decisions like that. Yeah. I think Tommy has to kind of take some of the decision-making out of West's hands. Like, if he if he's able to balance the roster more, like where you got two guys at every position, um, and you know just looking at the roster, they're a clear cut starter and then backup. I think that make makes West's job a lot easier um, to define roles because because it seems like he he struggles in that in that department. Yeah, I just it's tough because. You obviously want them to to work together, but at the same time, like if you're the GM, it's like you know, well, I'm a, I want to be the GM of the team and I want to let the coach coach and make all his decisions. But it's tough because, in that same sense, Tommy's going to get held responsible at the end of the day for the results of this team. And if the coaching isn't up to par, well, I mean, who's the one who hired the coach? So. It, it all does kind of tie in, and Tommy's been around the game for a long time, so maybe we'll see him 
maybe we'll see them change their philosophy a little bit more or maybe they'll talk and, and Wes knows the mistakes that he made this year. I'm sure they'll talk at length about that this offseason once the offseason gets underway and, um, you know, maybe they'll say, okay, you know, I'll be hands off a, a little bit more again through this offseason than to start. But, you know, if this stuff happens again, you know, and we're having these same kind of talks in December of the 2022-23 season, then, you know, we're going to be having a, a different discussion. So looking at Porzingis' numbers here for, um, I mean, since he's joined the team, I mean, he's 21 points, uh, eight rebounds, basically three assists, shooting 88% from the free throw line, basically his effective field goal percentage is over 50 um, shooting over 50% from two point, which is, which is really good. That's one of the main things I was going to be looking for. Um, and then obviously his three point percentage is, is around 30. So not great, but he still gives you that option and that threat where he can go and hit a couple in a row or something like that. So, um, but, and this is all in 27.8 minutes per game. So, uh, he's still putting up a lot of numbers and, smaller sample sizes and his minutes are starting to go up like he's been in the 30s I think for the last two or three games and we talked about him being a little injury riddled he sprained his ankle I think uh, a couple or a few games ago but he's been playing through it and it doesn't really seem to be bothering him a whole lot but I just wanted to see what you thought as of late about um, Porzingis yeah I'm looking at his numbers now like if if you did his numbers extrapolated over you know per on a per thirty six minute basis, like he would be having a career year based on how he's looked for the Wizards. Like his PER is twenty six point eight. That would be a career high for him. He's shooting, uh, yeah, he's shooting thirty percent from three, but his two point percentage is crazy. Like he's he has a true shooting percentage of fifty nine, which would right. again be a career high for him if you did it for the whole season. Um, Per 36, he's averaging 27, 10, three assists, and two blocks, and a full steal. Like, if, if you got that for a full season, that's like second-team All-NBA. <laughs> so, he's been balling, man. And I just think it's because they're, you know, they're running everything through him. Like, it's, it's obvious Wes wants this type of big man to kind of run his offense through, through that high post, low post, and then, you know, attract the defense, and then kick it out. So you're going to see his big man average, you know, career-high assist numbers. Because I think even Trez was trending towards that, you know, a career-high assist number because when he would come in, it was a lot of dribble handoffs, giving it to Trez out of that that uh, mid to high post area to kind of make plays out of it. Um, but if you're going to have that type of system, you got to have shooting around the player. So, um but yeah, I, I think I think KP has been, you know, as advertised. He's a unicorn, man. I, I expect twenty-five and ten from him every night. You know, given the minutes, um, as long as he can stay healthy. That's the only question mark I have with him. Can he stay healthy? Uh, and so far through the eleven games, he's been healthy. Uh, he's got to do it for seventy plus though um, next year. One of the things I'm looking at. Um... Just watching the game, and I'm sitting there, and and like he's a guy. If he makes two mid range shots in a row, teams send double teams automatically, and every single opponent is doing this. And I'm looking at it like, well, what are you guys going to do when Kuzma and Beal are back? And, and then we have shooters on the floor on top of that. Like there was a play 
against the Warriors the other night. KP was getting double teamed on one end of the floor, threw it uh, a cross court pass over to Corey Kispert for a catch and shoot three from the opposite wing. Like, and, and this is without again Beal and Kuzma. It's what are these teams going to do? I mean, the, I, I think next year this team has the potential to be a uh, you know a, a top eight offense, and especially just with the talent. Now we'll see how the 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 fit with Beal and Porzingis goes. But and then you add Kuzma to that because someone's going to be shooting spot threes eventually at some point, which is fine. Which is why necessarily we don't want them to go out there and get a fancy point guard because then that's going to be four guys that need the ball, and then that doesn't include Denny and and Rui and guys like that. So, um, but the I get the early returns on this trade, and I know people are talking about how it's been benefiting the Mavericks, but I still say that right now, based on the numbers that we're seeing. And he's been, it's not like he's like, he did miss some games when he started out, but since he started playing, he hasn't been hurt and hasn't missed any time Um, that we haven't heard any setbacks with anything. We haven't heard them talk about limiting minutes because they, they want to keep him healthy, blah, blah, blah. Like no, everything has been trending in the right direction. So I would say that right now, I mean, we're still the winners of that trade, I would say. Yeah, I mean, when, uh, you typically judge trades by who got the best player. Um, I don't think it's any doubt that Chris Stapps is the best player in that trade. If you compare him up to Dinwiddie and Bertans, like at this point, Bertans is barely an NBA player. Like he's barely playing for the Mavs at this point. Um, Dinwiddie, to me, is still best suited as a six man. <laughs> so you basically traded uh, a six man and a uh, you know, twelfth man for a potential all-star big man, provided he can stay healthy. Uh, I think they won the trade, but it's no way to really know until you get a full season of it. Um, and again, he's got to stay healthy. He's got to stay healthy. That's the that's the biggest question mark. If he can't stay healthy, it doesn't matter what type of talent, you know, what his per thirty six and all that is. It don't it don't matter if he can't stay on the floor. So I'm I'm hoping that. The, the medical team is uh, they got it kicked in the overdrive for the next, you know, upcoming summer and, and season um, to keep that boy on the floor. Because if they do, I I love his fit next to Bill. Just again about team building. You know, when you got a guard like Bill, a scoring guard, the best pairing for a guy like him to me is an elite big man. That's why I was kind of banging the table for them to kind of make a, a Car Anthony Towns trade or or to get some type of elite big man in here to, for him to play off, a guy that can that has gravity to attract defenders and then kick it out to your guards and shooters, that makes everybody's jobs easier. Um, instead of kind of trying to force the, the, the two high-volume uh, backcourt pairing, like that, that's just not a, that's not a championship formula, and I think they're, they're starting to figure it out. Well, I said at the top of the show we were going to talk about some March Madness stuff, but I think that we have um, a good amount of talk in here today and some good conversation. So maybe we'll touch on that next time. Maybe we'll talk about the the Final Four and the, the championship game. Or I guess we can always touch on um, St. Peter's real quick. Did you watch any of those games at all or no? Yeah, being in New York, I was kind of like just zoned out of everything. Um, so I haven't had a chance to check in on any of that stuff, but yeah, this week I'll definitely be going back and, and 
seeing what the hell happened March Madness wise and, and across the the, the NBA. Um, but the, the only real update I got uh, in New York was was Will Smith slapping the shit out of Chris Rock. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, I got some catching up to do. So, I guess. We're not going to turn this into a big discussion or anything. What, what did you think about that, like, on the face? You don't have to give an opinion if you don't want. I don't know if you've already talked about it on Twitter, but, like, at, like being a man and, like, in his shoes, what did you think about the whole situation? Uh, I mean, I guess for me, I, I can speak as a, as a 35-year-old married man of six years now. Like, uh, disrespect of the wife will not be tolerated. Right. If you, if you disrespect my wife publicly, I am going to retaliate publicly. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with how Will did it, but I understand it. Um, and I don't even necessarily think that it was it was that singular moment that sent him over the edge. I think it was just it was a buildup, like because him and Chris have you know, uh, a weird history with kind of the zings that, that Chris has thrown at, you know, Jada and their their relationship and stuff. So um, I just think he just kind of snapped. Everybody has a breaking point, man. Um, and you can only turn a cheek for so many times. Uh, and I just think he reached that breaking point and, and, and did what he felt like he had to do when he looked over there and saw his wife was not pleased with that with that joke. Um, but, but uh Kudos to Chris Rock for for keeping the show going because that would have been even crazier if he had swung back or or, or did something. But um, yeah, I, I hope whatever internal demons Will is dealing with, I hope he you know he he addresses it um, so that he doesn't have to be in that situation again. But like I said, I, I understand it. Um, I, I definitely understand it. Yeah, well, you said it exactly where I'm at with it. You know, if if it was just like the the choice of a of a hairstyle or something like that, you know, then maybe I would let it slide a little bit. Like you know, people make choice, choices all the time that in their appearance, and people get made fun of for it. You know, that is what it is. But when it's something that's like medical condition, and sometimes it's like you know, if you don't know for sure about something, then just don't talk about it because there's going to be that one person there, and in this case, it was certainly will that you're going to irritate because you didn't do your research or you didn't know enough about it. And so, you know, you get what you get in that situation. But like you said, you know, uh, yeah, making fun of the wife and all that, you know, it, it doesn't get tolerated because then you're, you're going to make your woman feel like, well, she's not important enough for, for you to stick up for and, and things like that. So I agree with what you said, but anyway, enough pop culture stuff from us. I just wanted to ask you on it. Cause I, I just wanted to know your thoughts on it. But thanks, guys, for tuning in to the show today. Really appreciate it. I tell you guys every time, if you're not already subscribed, make sure you are. It helps us out a lot. Leave a comment on any suggestions, anything you'd like to see. And rate us five stars if you enjoyed the show. But that's going to do it for us, and we'll see you next time.